0: And good morning. We're so excited to be here. And there are remnants of old technology in our expressions today. I'll give you an example. When we say, hang up the phone, we know what that means, right? We, we mean, it means end the call. But we don't really hang up the phone anymore, do we? We just press a button. Right? So that expression is really obsolete. It's outdated. So... That expression came from this, when phones used to be two parts, a base and a handset. So you end the call by hanging up the handset onto the base. Another example, when you're in front of your computer, you're working on a Word document and you want to save it, right? Save your work. What icon do you look for? Do you have it in your mind's eye, that icon, right? It's this icon right here. Do you guys remember? Do you even have that at home anymore? That's a three and a half floppy disk. This thing can hold about a minute of your, of one of your songs on your phone. And if you want to back up 160 gigabytes of, of data from your computer, you'll need 100,000 of these. That's old tech. Right? One last example that I want to give you is when, when, when somebody asks you, hey, CC me on that email. CC. Do you guys know what that means, right? So that's a regular. That's my that's my email window when it comes up. So you put somebody's email on there you want to send it to, but when somebody asks you to CC them on the email, you put their email address here CC, right? What does that stand for? What does that mean? Carbon copy, right? And people, people at work, they were like, what is why why is it called carbon copy? So. For some of us, we, have, we probably have not seen carbon paper before, but that's what carbon paper is, that black sheet there. Whatever you write on top is going to be copied at the bottom using the carbon paper. So that's an old school way of making copies of documents. And it's with us today in the form of emails. It's crazy. But what I want to do today is I would like to, d- to talk to you about an old expression that we christians still use today this expression we have a risk of not understanding it fully or maybe misunderstanding it because number one it's old it's been around for a while and number two sheer familiarity we hear it all the time we see it all the time we we say it all the time the expression that i want to talk to you about today is this expression To God be the glory. What does that even mean? When somebody asks you today, what is God's glory? How would you respond? Why is this important for us to to talk about today? And what are the implications to us as Christians? Our objective today is huge. It's astronomical. Our task today is for us have a renewed appreciation of the glory of god it's huge right and the reason why we want to do that is because we want to have a renewed sense of our place as christians in god's kingdom today and we're going to do that by asking ourselves three questions this morning three questions what why and how what is God's glory? Why does it matter to us today? And since the title of our lesson today is To God Be the Glory, as we apply it, how do we accord that glory to God? You guys ready? Let's do it. First one, what is God's glory? We're going to spend a lot of time here today. I, know, I don't know what, what time you normally end the sermon, but I'm going to go past 12, so please forgive me now. But we're going to spend a lot of time here talking about what is God's glory? What is it? And as you know, as, as they say, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. That's what we're going to do here. We're going to do it a little, little chunk by little chunk. We're going to start small. We're going to talk about that word glory. What does that mean, glory? It's from this Latin word, gloria. It means fame and renown. If you think about The fame of a country or of a kingdom. It's going to give you that idea. Like, for example, the glory of Rome. Roman emperors, what they did was they conquered the known world for the glory of Rome. For the fame and for the renown of Rome. But I'll tell you what. The glory of God, as discussed in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, transcends this definition. It's way bigger than this. And the scripture reading today was very eloquently read. Thank you very much for that. It was uh, a passage in the Bible where uh, an interaction was was happening between God and Moses. Right? And Moses requested something of God. And this was his request. It was a very, very amazing request. Moses asked God in Exodus 33, verse 18, Please show me your glory. The, the, the Hebrew word in this particular text that's translated glory in our language is this Hebrew word, kabod. It means worth, honor, riches, beauty, reputation, reverence, and greatness. But for us to relate to that today, it's essentially Moses was essentially telling God, God, show me how awesome you are. Show me your awesomeness. Brings me back to when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure you guys did this. When you were a kid, when you want to show people, when you want to show off to your friends, flex your muscle, you know, you know what I'm saying? Flex your muscle. And then you're like, show them your big gaping wound that you're not crying about. Hey, look, look at this, look at my wound. It's big, but I'm not crying. Right? Show them how awesome you are. You know, Chad is laughing because it's true. When I was a kid, I used to climb lots of trees. And I would climb the tallest trees and my friends would not want to dare climb it because they can't. And I was like, hey, look, I'm awesome. But Moses was asking God, hey, show me how awesome you are. Like, Show off to me. I want to see it. You know what God said? It's glory passing right in front of you. Who's your favorite, you know, what's We like country music here. I'm not sure if that's true. Right there, sitting right beside Wayne, right. Maybe it's probably, Wayne probably played cool and just shake his hand. Yeah, it's good to see you here today. You know, maybe get an autograph and be done with it. Right, go on with your day. Right, it's great. But I'll tell you what, God's glory is way greater than Garth Brooks's glory. This is what God tells Moses about His glory. Exodus 33 verses 20 to 23. This is what God told Moses. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Can you imagine being with somebody so awesome that when you see them you die? That's God. So does it make sense now when we sing songs and when we talk about we are not worthy to be in your presence? Right there. But just like anything else, God made provision. It's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. Ah, But it's okay because God said, and I'm going to turn my back. You will see my back. Like you guys are showing you know, like you're facing some people's backs right now. Like which back equates to this? Imagine seeing his back and going, Oh my goodness, somebody's back. That's what Moses saw. But let's continue on with the story. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, back ab- and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. God is an amazing and awesome God. He is both just and holy. He punishes sin, but He is also loving and merciful. He will forgive So when Moses saw all that, what do you think his reaction was? Like we know what Wayne would do, right? I'm gonna do it again one last time. That's what he would do when he sees Garth Brooks. But what would, what do you, what do you think Moses do when he saw all that? Can you guys guess? This is what he did. Exodus 34 verse 8. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Let's just let that sink in for a bit. When he saw the back of God, he knew that you're definitely God. See, it brings us to this idea that uh, what, what, what Paul said in the in the New Testament, in Philippians chapter uh, chapter two, verse eleven, and Romans chapter fourteen, verse eleven, when he said, "Every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess that He is Lord." when God in the form of God the the Son, Jesus Christ comes back, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter if people don't care about God. It doesn't matter if they convince themselves that there's no God. When that day comes, there will not be any mistake. They will confess that the one coming down is God and Lord. That's exactly the effect of God's glory in our lives today. When we see it in our lives, when we open the books of the Bible and we understand God's glory, we just have to worship and say, You are God. Psalm 145, verse 3, Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure His greatness. He is worthy of praise. You know what? I want to change that to say, He, he needs to be praised. That's why he's worthy of it. Even the stones. If we didn't do it, the stones would do it. But when I was reading this passage, I was like, remember the task that I have here is to give you an idea of his, of his glory? And I thought, and I I read this passage, no one can measure his greatness. I thought, I'm in trouble. My task today is to give you an idea of his glory and I can even measure it. So how can I give you an idea of his glory? So I looked I looked and looked for verses that I can you know I can sort of share with you so that you can understand his glory and I came across this, this particular passage. Psalm ninety six, four to five Greatest the Lord, He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So in this passage, the psalmist made a contrast between two extremes. One is the idols, the fake gods. They're just posers. They don't even live. They're not, they don't even breathe. They can't even talk back to you. They can't even listen to you. And on the other extreme, the best one is God. And to really make the illustration resonate in us, the psalmist said, it's the Lord who made the heavens. So I thought, light bulb, maybe I'll talk to you about the heavens. With the, with the purpose of telling you about God's glory. Does that, does that sound good? We'll do that. I'll talk to you about the heavens. So the next picture that I'm going to show you right now is the planets in our solar system in relation to each other. So you can see how big they are. Okay, so this picture here, we can see the earth in, relations to, in relation to Jupiter and Saturn. Look how big Jupiter and Saturn are in relation to earth, which is really puny. In all this, think about the glory and the power and the majesty of God. But we're not done yet. Think of these in relation to our sun. There's the sun. These two planets were big, but not compared to the sun. But look at, look at Earth. Bloop. Tiny, tiny dot. Think about God's glory. But we're not done yet. The sun is one of the smallest stars in our galaxy. Now the next picture I'm going to show you is the sun in relation to some of the biggest stars that, is vis- that are visible from Earth? Okay. Look at the red giants: Aldebaran, Betelgeuse, and Antares. These guys are from. You can see this from Earth. From the, from uh, you can see these in constellations like Taurus, Orion, and, and, and Scorpius. Look at, I don't know if you can see the sun. It's just right there. Little speck. And to give us an idea of how big that is, the earth, our earth, around our earth, is 42,000 kilometers around. If you're riding on a plane that can go around nonstop without refueling, traveling at 1,000 kilometers per hour, 600 miles per hour, it's going to take you, it's going to take you two days, 48 hours to do that. How, how long would you think you could do that in Antares? If you could fly the same plane around Antares, which is 1.2 billion kilometers around, it would take 140 years. That is not even the biggest star in the galaxy. There are stars that are two and a half times bigger than that. Now, we're not done yet. In all this, think about God's glory, God's amazing power. Think about it. What's the name of our galaxy? Milky Way. How many stars are in the Milky Way? Scientists say there's about 100 billion stars in there, at least. Do you know how many galaxies there are in the universe? Scientists say that there are about 100 billion galaxies, each containing at least 100 billion stars. That is a picture, the best picture that the Hubble telescope can come up with in terms of galaxies. Each dot is a galaxy. So with all those stars, okay, you're sitting down, right? If you're not sitting down, just hold on. (laughs) There are several stars For every grain of sand on earth. God's glory astounds in the small like the sand and in the big like the stars. This is why Psalm 19 verse 1 we read the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, God's glory. Now that we have a small inkling of what God's glory is, let's go to the second question. Why does it matter to us today? I'll give you two quick reasons why. The first reason, now that we know how amazing our God is, how awesome our God is, we can now trust in God and His power. We have no excuse now. Romans 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. You know, I have three children now. One can't speak yet, but the two can. My two boys, Jacob and Daniel. But they think the world of us. They think that we're the most powerful things on earth. So Daniel would give me a small lump of clay. Daddy, I want to do this. Build me Iron Man riding a truck. (laughs) One time Jacob saw the, the first time he saw a full moon. Jacob said, Daddy, look, moon's big. Yes, it is, full moon. Daddy, pick me up so I can touch it. So we were in the car and Linda and I just laughed. And literally Jacob was upset. Because he thought I was able to do it, but not willing. But you know, we're Christians. As children of God, we have that sense. We have that sentiment towards our, our Heavenly Father. But n- unlike us, unlike our earthly fathers, our Heavenly Father is both willing and able. Let's trust in God and His power as we look through His glory. The second reason why it's important to us is because now that we have an understanding of God's glory, we can have a healthy attitude about our worth as people and as Christians. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? the God of the universe, the God who made the stars, He lives in me. He owns me. He owns you. So why would I, why would you pattern our worth with the things that we do? With the things that we own? With the the thoughts of people about us? Doesn't matter. Because what matters is our worth is 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 kept is in accordance with what my God thinks about me. It's who owns us. I'll ask you a series of questions. There's a point to this, but I'll ask you first: How much would you pay for a toothbrush? Two dollars, three dollars, yeah, maybe a bit more for uh, for an electric toothbrush. But how much would you pay for a used toothbrush? Probably going, what are, you, what are you asking? Like, no, nothing. I'm not even going to touch it. Fine. Okay. How much would you pay for pearls? Like, you know, uh, I was at work once in Dubai. And I remember uh, thinking, maybe I should bring something for my wife as a souvenir. So I went to the Gold Sox in Dubai and I saw this pearl set, neck, uh, earrings, necklace, and bracelet. You know how much? Real pearls. 30 bucks. So I bought it. But how much would you pay for fake pearls? Probably less than 30 bucks, right? There's a point to this. Hold on. How much would you pay for, old, for an old piece of paper? Probably nothing. Probably just throw it out in the garbage, yeah. But look at these. That's an old toothbrush. It's used. You know how much people paid for that? $21,000. Do you know why? Because Napoleon owned it. The first French emperor. Look at these pearl, look at this pearl necklace. That's fake. It's not real. Because back then, when the Kennedys lived, the cultured pearls weren't really perfected yet. So, it's glass. You know how much people paid for that? $211,500. Because it was owned by Jackie Anassas Kennedy. How about this piece of paper? You know how much people paid for that? It's old. $245,000. Do you know why? Because Beethoven wrote that and autographed it. These things were not valuable because of their intrinsic worth. Their value lies in who owned them. I have two kids. I have three kids. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sorry, Esther. (laughs) I have three kids and if I'm not careful of of how I value myself in relation to God I could end up teaching them that their value lies in what they're going to become in this world if I tell them you know what you're going to make it if you get a degree you get a nice car you get a nice house you get a nice career that's all you need to do. That's it. You're done. But that's not it. See, I, don't, I wouldn't care much if my boys and my daughter are not able to throw a football in X number of yards or solve a math equation in just, you know, in their heads. It's cool if they could do that. It's cool if they graduated from university. But that's not, I'm gonna teach them, that's not, that's not your worth. Your worth is in God. If you have the saving love of Christ, you're good. If you serve the God that I serve, you're successful in life. Let's think about that. Now that we have an appreciation of what and the why, I'm gonna be done in a couple of minutes here, I promise. How do we accord that glory to God? 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything that we do, we have to do for the glory of God. Now ask ourselves this question. How do I give glory to God using my car? At work? At university? With my house? With my hobbies? God should always be in there and should figure in there in whatever I do. You're probably thinking, well, it's not practical enough, Jay. So here's another verse. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. At work, let God, let let people see God, Jesus in me. That's how we do it. With the use of everything that I own, let people see Jesus in it. You're probably thinking, "Well, Jay, it's not practical enough. Give me some more practi- uh, practical stuff here." Okay, Galatians 2:20. I have been crucified with Christ. You know, back then when you're crucified, you, you you died. You you you've died. You're dead. You're done. But Paul continues on. He says, "No, I'm still alive. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." How do we give glory to God? While we still have breath, we do His work. Not my glory, not my happiness, not my comfort. His glory. I have one last thing in here that I'm going to show you. I know you guys are probably, when is this going to be over? And I'm going to talk about my daughter, Esther Grace. She's not even two months old yet. But Linda and I had this idea. Astrid is her idea. It was, all the great ideas come from Linda. She said, Jay, you know what? We should, we should do um, a time capsule gift for Esther. You guys know what that is? So we create it now. We build the gift now. And when she's 18, she opens it up. So for some reason, like, I don't know if it's a guy thing. Maybe it's just me. It, maybe I'm just so not, not cool inside my head. But I'm thinking, I have a daughter, and at one point she's going to meet a guy. And that sort of gives me the shivers, right? So what I would say, you know what, I'm going to, what I'm going to put in that gift is a quote, like, you know, telling, telling her to be careful, to be, to be uh, you know, to be smart about it. So I, I came across this quote, and I'm going to show it to you in a sec. It's specifically written for women, but you know what, it doesn't have to be just for women. It could be for men and women, for boys and girls, young and old, for everyone, for all of us. But I share it with you today because it, to me it answers that question very clearly. How do I give glory to God today? Are you guys ready for that quote? It's right here. It's from Max Lucado. A woman's heart should be so hidden in God that a man has to seek him just to find her. I love this quote because it's so practical today. I thought, you know what? I'm going to write it in the gift. I'm going to. It's going to be in there when she opens it when she's 18. But you know what? It's so good. I'm not going to wait until she's 18 before she learns about this quote. I'm going to teach her that as she grows up. And you know what? It's so good. I'm not going to only teach my daughter that. I'm going to teach my boys that too. And you know what? It's so good. I'm going to teach me to do that. And I'm going to encourage my wife, Linda, to do that as well. And it's so good that I thought I'd include it in my lesson today so I can share it with you. Because can you imagine if each and every one of us should have our hearts so hidden in God so that every person we meet in this life would know God first as they get to know us? Can you imagine what we could do for Winnipeg? Can you imagine what we can do for God's glory? What is our passion in this life? I pray that our passion as a church is the glory of His name. As we today just briefly learned and are encouraged by the what, the why, and the how of God's glory, I pray that we will give our lives to Him. Who is glorious and amazing and powerful. And if you have not done that today, I hope that time is today. I hope you don't wait until 2017. If you have not come to Christ, 2017 will be your first full year of being a Christian. Please come as we sing the song of invitation. Thank you very much.